0: this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane and with me as always is Laura Zatz. Say hi, Laura. Hello. Um, we've got a really fun episode for you today. We just recorded an interview that um, I'm really excited about. It's with a good friend of mine who you will soon hear. But um, before we get to any of that, why don't we get the basics, huh?
1: So our special Patreon episodes, our query show already went live last Thursday, the 13th. Our first page of show goes live April 27th. So you still have a week to get your first page in. So send them to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Sounds good. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how, how, how was your weekend, Laura?
1: It was good. Yeah. I went to a wedding. Yeah. I went to a wedding. Um, that was about it.
0: I went to the mall.
1: You Okay so for <laughs> all of you guys that aren't in Minnesota yeah Minnesota is host to the largest mall in the United States of America It's mm-hmm. one of the top like five in the world I mm-hmm. think basically mm-hmm. um, it's called the Mall of America
0: yeah so I went there um, my family was in town and like, that's what they wanted to do, so we did it. To give um, you an
1: idea of how big this place is, it has an indoor movie theater, an indoor water park, roller coasters. Got, there are roller coasters yeah, oh, they, in here. There are like yeah, they're, they're roller coasters. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's it's it, it is wild. There's an uh, there's an aquarium. If you spent ten minutes in every single store, you'd be in there for two weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're horrifying. just disgusted um, with yourself now, aren't you? I am, now, I am very you? disgusted. But one thing I did instead of all the fun things like roller coasters and aquariums and like fine dining, was uh, I went to Barnes and Noble.
2: <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> um, yeah,
0: because why? Why the hell not? Right. But so I went in there and I found a table near the front of the store that made me well a little bit ill, but it also made me think of. A uh, the, some of the episodes we've been having on the show where we've kind of been talking about the normalization of sort of this new kind of right-wing surge that's happening here in America. Um, but in, we, we've kind of been talking about you know publishing's role in that, like how is, that, how is publishing going to resist? Is it going to? Is it going to be something else? Um, as sort of this new ideology sort of sweeps through and kind of gains a little momentum. And so I found this table, right, and it's called Newsmakers, Trendsetters, and Leaders. Right, and I don't
1: know where this is going, <laughs> but I know I don't like it. Yeah,
0: um, So here are the books that we're on um, or a few of the books that were on the on trendsetters and leaders table. Um, we've got GOP or – that's a slip. Cop Under Fire um, by Sheriff Joe Clark. I don't know if you know Joe Clark's work. Uh, you can look him up if you do not. Uh, with a forward by Sean Hannity. Um, You've got The Making of the President, 2016, How Donald Trump Orchestrated a Revolution, written by Roger Stone.
1: Well, he certainly orchestrated something.
0: (laughs) And then you have Hillbilly Elegy uh, by J.D. Vance. And so whether you know any of those people, whether it's Hannity or Clark or Roger Stone or, of course, Trump or J.D. Vance, um, these are the people that our bookstores are now calling uh, trendsetters and leaders and newsmakers. And, of course, they are, I guess, all of those things, but... There are connotations to those words that hold kind of, you know, accomplishment and positivity and sort of statesman, you know, ship that comes with these things, and the idea that we'd be putting these on a front table like that suggests to me that one of the thesis, theses that we came up with very early on in the show, which was that publishing is not liberal, um, or not as liberal as people think. It it's is simply just a mirror. It's simply a mirror. And what's happening now is the is the body has changed, and the reflection is now different. And I just think it's important to keep in mind as we keep as we track, um, who's doing what in this country. How does it affect the arts? How does it affect books? Um, just remember that the bookstores and the book people are not always the good guys, um, and it merits some watching. Um, I guess <laughs> that's what I have to say on that.
1: Well, that's pleasant. Um, yeah. So we've got something else that's pleasant.
0: Oh, we have a death knell. We have Speaking a death knell. Speaking of which, if this if that last <laughs> as if that last bit um was not enough of a of a death knell. A double
1: death knell. Um
0: actually that last thing will probably really help publishing. That, you know people are going to buy those books. That's why they're on a table. But um what's it called it's called Hooked? Hooked. Is the app that we're talking there's about? An it's app an app because there's an app for, for Android
1: that. and iOS.
0: Okay, Um, you might
1: have seen if you're a Facebook person, you might have seen the ads
2: on Facebook.
0: Um, Okay, so let me give you what the Business Insider article is telling me. Hooked is, it's an app for reading bite-sized stories in text message form. Uh, Like what? Okay, um, when you
1: say text message form, what do you mean by that? Okay,
0: so I'm looking at a screenshot that, and so I guess the idea is you open this app up, right? And someone who's used Hooked, please, like. Tell us so like yell at me about it because I want to hear it. Maybe I'll download it or something. You should like, download it. Yeah. But um so it from what I can tell, it's this like, it's this screenshot of what's basically a text message thread. And you get basically get told like a story, right? Like it's like this is And they're
1: like a ho- it's like a horror story or, or like yeah, a it's thriller all, or it's something It's all kinds right? of
0: different stuff, yeah. Um so I don't know, you've got this, you know, like dialogue is sort of happening as like sort of, you know, opposing text message threads um here. And it's doing quite well. Um, this has – it's it's received a 560% jump. It is cur- currently the number two app in all of the app store behind Balls. <laughs> which <laughs>
1: What is Balls? I don't know.
0: It's a game. I have no idea what Balls is. Um, it's a break – here we go. Here we go. Over the past – well, let me read to you the sentence. That's going to make me want to set myself on fire. Are you ready? Hooked has overtaken the app store's long-reigning champ Bitmoji as one of the top free apps on the app store. Over the past few days, it's jockeyed for number one with balls with a Z, <laughs> a, a breakout style game that's also incredibly addictive. So there's something interesting here probably, right? Like you've kind of got this, you know, so People you bas- are
1: consuming stories it's, and they're yeah, addictive.
0: Yeah, it's like it's basically taking like cell phone addiction and tying it to I guess reading. Um, I'll say I guess reading and everyone will start yelling at me again. So it's reading. This is reading. This is wonderful reading. It's as good as every other form of reading there is. Um, as soon as you open the app, you'll be launched into your first chat story. The interface looks a lot like iMessage, but all you have to do is tap the screen to get the next message. Um, each me- <laughs> here we go, ready. Each message is called a hoot.
1: Oh God!
0: Um, so,
1: so people are hooting yeah, you, instead. No, no, no. Of no you're not. Books. You're
0: being hooted at.
1: You're being hooted. Yeah, because at. you
0: don't do the hooting. The hooting happens from the app.
1: The hooting um, happens. So to like you.
0: this little screenshot I'm looking at, it's uh, a hoot. And it's from. It's is like it one. Hoot? It's like a is text. It a hoot, Eric? <laughs> it was, in fact, a hoot. Um, <laughs> so you've got like this, like um, you know, this like, dial. You know, again, I, I guess it would be interesting to see how it happens. Um, I think it does all happen in dialogue, from what I can tell. So I guess that's sort of interesting. Um, yeah, it doesn't give any information about characters or any backstory before you start reading. All you know is the names of the two main characters, um, and they sort of have this exchange. It's like watching other people text. I guess that's basically what we're doing here. Um,
1: Instead of reading books, people are watching fake people text.
0: Well, well, Laura, if you really like it, um, and apparently people do, um, it gives you the option to uh, become a paid subscriber. You can pay, um, you can pay seven ninety nine a month um, to read an unlimited amount of stories. Um, and when you when you do that, do you know what you become? Do you know what their membership club is called? Oh
1: God, tell you me. You become
0: you become a super hoot. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: To super but I don't, hoot but, or not to hoot. But I don't
0: understand how you could become a super hoot, though, if the thing is hooting at me. Their, their, their logo is an owl in a cape, by the way. It's, the little super hoot is this, like, owl, and he's got a little, like, thing draping off him like a superhero.
1: I mean, they can't all be loons. You know what True. I'm saying? I
0: mean, it's a, far, it's a far inferior branding exercise. I agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, publishing is fine. We're hooting now. Um, so
1: we're, we're hooting <laughs> We should submit
0: a hoot story. Hooked. Hooked okay. is the name of the app. Why is okay. call it called Hooked? I don't know. I don't understand. Because you're hook...
1: hooked to it. Yeah, but
0: like when the owl and the hooting?
1: I don't know. Okay, I think I the owl and on. the hooting, I think they're trying to get on the Twitter thing, to, which is a to... bird and you tweet.
0: Yeah. Tweeting
1: and hooting and whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, <sighs> okay.
1: No, what Printrun needs is Print Run needs a loon app. <laughs> where we instead of instead of text message it's just it's just the typewriter yeah. that we have on the loon wing right, we'll and then it's just like a click clack and you just want to like somebody will come and like put an ice pick in the back of your head because they're tired of you typing mm-hmm. with the typing sounds yeah. anyway that's fun. i would but I, love
0: an app that so have someone come put an ice pick in my neck you know, <laughs> as I'm like proofreading I, or something just to
1: give you a little idea yeah. of what of what uh the the hooting is like on mm-hmm. hooked yeah um the person who wrote this article for Business Insider said the one that they read involved an extramarital affair, mm-hmm. a gun-toting mistress, and an infant left alone in a cold basement.
0: All this – I'm I'm joining but this it wasn't, All this over text? But it
1: wasn't written by James Patterson. Oh, that's too bad. Which I have something that is written by James <laughs> Patterson.
0: Save publishing, Laura. Yeah, we yeah. have to so, save it. So if, We've been So hooked. If,
1: hooked, if Hooked and the Super Hoots are ruining publishing, uh-huh. I can always count on James Patterson's book of the week to save it. Mm-hmm. So here is the book. And it's actually coming out next week, April 25th. Okay. The book is titled – this is not a book shot. This is a this straight – This is a full-on. This is a full-on book. Yeah. Uh, you can tell because the Kindle is for sale – for nine ninety nine, but apparently the paperback is for sale at seven ninety nine.
0: Huh. Okay. Uh,
1: the book is called Confessions, hmm. and the subtitle is The Murder of an Angel.
0: Oh dear. Yeah. I'm. I'm already. I'm already hooked. Well, it was just Easter. It yeah, it was uh. just
1: Easter, so I figured we needed to talk about you know. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Okay, so here's here's the copy for this bonus. Includes the complete novel, the trial. Wait, wait, wait,
0: okay, hold on. We've got a novel inside the novel. Apparently. I guess if you buy this edition, you get another novel.
1: Yeah, you get two for one. But I don't know I know nothing about the trial.
0: I so. feel like it's this point I should be able to ask James Patterson to write exclusively me a novel. Like if I if I like give him fifty dollars, like he'll write just me one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah.
1: I don't know, though. It might need to be more than $50 because right now this book isn't even out, and it's got 597 customer reviews. Ooh, so that's to say, Print Run's been out since October. You better <laughs> leave us a review. <laughs> um, <laughs> All your James
0: Patterson. Yeah, come on. yeah.
1: If we had 1% of James Patterson readers, we'd be, like, rolling in reviews. Anyway, here's the copy. Uh-huh. In the dramatic conclusion of the best-selling Confessions series – Tandy Angel's next murder case could be her own. So oh. this this character's name is Tandy Angel. <laughs>
0: Did you? Uh-huh. Tandy
1: Angel. Uh-huh. Tandy Angel is losing her mind, or so she thinks. Hmm. Even as she's forced to fight for the family company, she's imagining new dangers in every shadow. And as her detective prowess is called into question and her paranoia builds, she has to face the very real possibility that the stalker she's convinced will take her life could be all in her head, or the very real danger that finally brings her down.
0: Man. I'm gonna, I'm all on like James Patterson Review Truther now. I'm trying to figure out how he got five hundred and ninety seven that fast.
1: Uh, because he's James Patterson. <laughs>
0: Should we get to the real content of the day?
1: Yeah, let's get to the real content. So
0: this is our interview um, with Allison Rudolph. Our guest this week is someone I am incredibly excited to have on the show. It's a, a former coworker of mine and a very good friend. Um, her name is Allison Rudolph. Um, she was with me, an associate editor at the Overlook Press. She was an assistant editor at uh, Grand Central Publishing with Hachette, and she was an editorial assistant at Hyperion Books um, and many other things besides that. But say hello, Allison.
1: Hello, Allison. No. Hi, <laughs> hi, Eric. Hi, Laura. Thank you so See, much you for don't get her. mad at her when she does <laughs> the Of course I, can. I
0: can't get mad at her. Allison, like, prevented me from getting fired for, like, a solid year. I can't be mad at her.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, did,
3: I did crucially warn yeah. you that the way you yeah. sat in your
1: chair was upsetting to the,
2: that was nuts. To the okay. vice president.
1: Okay, how yeah, was so. Eric sitting in his
0: chair? Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. So – before we get into the, the big serious publishing things we're going to discuss, we should get into that real quick. Um so it's like yeah, what? Okay. My first week
2: <laughs> yes. at
0: Overlook. Yeah. And yeah. um, like minute number one, my boss hates me. And I'm like As trying one, it to it does. Right. She, yeah. she hated
2: everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, she was she was a
0: very unpleasant woman, but um I was trying to figure out why, and finally I get this email um late night from <laughs> from Allison's of like, I figured it out. And apparently the problem was that I had been sitting in my chair with poor posture.
3: (laughs) No, no, it wasn't even poor posture. It was your posture was fine. It was that she was upset that you were just staring at the screen without your hands (laughs) on like the keyboard or... Mouse,
0: oh my we god.
3: Reading. Um yeah. and not everybody reads with their hands on the keyboard and the mouse, but she thought that you weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like have you seen me um the episode of Parks and Rec where there's like the congressman who yeah. <laughs> just like is a robot and like sits in his office and right. stares at nothing? Yeah, like, that I was think me. that's what she thought was happening with you. So like, you were a chair you were robot. doing work. You were reading. Yeah. But yeah. She didn't like the way you were sitting.
0: Yeah, that was that was a pretty scary first few weeks, and, I, and then and a I full nine months you of that job. To
3: just like <laughs> put your hand on the mouse. And yeah, yeah,
0: I and got it. really good at my posture. We were like on Slack, like debating whether or not I was sitting correctly. It was awesome. Um, it was really. Well, she help-
3: also didn't like the way anybody walked. Yeah, no, everybody it. stomped.
0: Yeah. Um, um,
3: oh no, that was
2: that was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, but we we brought Allison on to talk about things that aren't <laughs> just uh, my posture at my former jobs. Um, so, we
1: <laughs> Eric's hands are currently on his keyboard.
0: They are. I'm very scared okay. already that she's going to come That's stomping good. down the hall and yell at me. Um,
1: <laughs> she's she's watching us
3: all the time. I know. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I think uh, this was news last week. I want to say, or maybe the week before, mm-hmm. that New York has. Um, Made it illegal for potential employers to ask about your past salary, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I think is super important. And I know, like I, I know from listening to this podcast with you, that <laughs> um, publishing pay is is one of the reasons that you have wound up where you are now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we also enjoy we, food.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's it's nice to have like the money yeah. to live like an adult when you're an adult. Yeah,
1: um,
3: and so while this New York pay law is, is like the purpose of the law is to prevent sort of continuing discrimination, right? Women get paid, I think, what, 73 cents on the dollar yeah. yep. um, compared to their male counterparts. So this, this, this law is ostensibly to help with that, but I also think it's going to have really important implications in this creative Industry that we all have have spent time in. So Um, walk
1: us walk us through a little bit because you've you've done like a ridiculous number of things in publishing. Walk us through what you've done, and then I want to hear like why this is of of special interest to you.
3: Yeah, so I'll I'll walk you through it. I'll tell you what I got paid. Um, So I started in publishing on the production side at a textbook publisher. Um, I started as an editorial. Assistant in the managing editorial department um, first job at a college and my like boss who hired me was super apologetic This was in Washington DC. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm really sorry I can only pay you thirty five thousand a year and I was like, I have no idea what that means 21 But sure that sounds fine Like I would like job please
2: um,
3: And then I was promoted at that job after a year to full production editor i got a nice bump in pay in dc it allowed me to afford like a studio apartment sweet studio apartment for myself right with a cat who i didn't get along with
2: as all Um, cats
3: are (laughs) right (laughs) because cats are jerks exactly um and dogs are the best animals anyway um and then a former colleague from that job uh poached me to go work with her at this like weird part of the American Psychological Association that published children's books. Um, so I was an editor, um, doing things from like development all the way through bound book. I did, there were two of us working at this children's book imprint of the american psychological association mm-hmm. um publishing books for kids about mental and behavioral health and like mm, bed yeah.
0: my favorite I uh, <laughs> <laughs> right?
3: right well oh, we did this really good like graphic novel about a little boy who kept getting too angry um <laughs> oh, it was called was chillax? it about eric
0: it was called chillax um,
3: no no but maybe it could have been i should find my copy and send it oh. um it has some really good tools, Eric. You might want to you might yeah. want to check them That'll out, like great. resources yes. for what
0: to do. <laughs> Send me the Amazon link. I so.
3: <laughs> oh, will. Um, but anyway, you know, I was I was like 24 maybe when I got that job, and I was making like a real person salary. Mm-hmm. I was making I think fifty thousand a year,
2: sure.
3: um, um, which right in Washington D.C. allowed me to have like kind of a nice life. And then I was like, well maybe I should move to New York and try to work on books that people buy because they want to and not Mm -hmm. because they're wetting the bed and their psychologist says they should. (laughs) Um, Seemed like a good career move. So I um, started reading for an agent for free in D.C. um, until I was able to connect with a literary agency who was able to give me a part-time – internship basically they were very generous and didn't call it an internship but it was an internship um Mm -hmm. where I was making 25 dollars and or I don't know how much I was making but I was only working 25 hours a week so the deal was I could go to New York to try to break into publishing again from the beginning um working part-time and I had to like figure out I was freelancing on the side at that point Mm -hmm. for my old employers I was proofreading and copy editing for them um, in order to make ends meet. But I was still, you know, I was living in somebody's living room. I didn't have a door of my own. Yeah. Um, and Oh, oh important side note here is that my family is, like, super fancy and wealthy. And so I've always <laughs> had help from my parents. Like, I just want to acknowledge yeah. the privilege, like, right sure. from the start. I was, like, staying in my parents' guest home last week. So <laughs>
1: like, I had a lot of help. So just, do they like, do they want another daughter, Allison, <laughs> right?
3: Um, I, have, I have like tried to get them to half adopt friends of mine a lot lately. Um but what they really do want is visitors in San, San Diego. So if you find yourself in San Diego we'll and want to we'll hang out, out yeah, with like, we're doing that. we can yeah. more dogs than humans.
1: We can we can write <laughs> it off if we do like a print run goes to San Diego.
3: <laughs> yeah, like, right? Yeah. That'd be great. Live from SeaWorld. do like a dispatch from Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like, I just, that, I, I say that cause it's always in my mind, right? The things that I was able to do a lot of the time were because I had a lot of help and right. I don't know how anybody does this if they don't have fancy parents writing them. Text. Um, so, right. so, uh, <laughs> privilege moment acknowledged. <laughs> I was, working part-time for an agency. Um, they promised to help me get a real job. They actually, like, delivered on that promise. Good for um, them. That which was, nice. was amazing. So after, like, less than three months, I started working as an editorial assistant at Hyperion, um, which was, at the time, a, a, one of Disney's publishing imprints. Um, so, like, you would think that they would have some money, but I my starting salary there was... I I think
1: it was less than 25K.
3: In New York City? Um,
1: In New York City, yeah. As somebody who Uh, had had multiple years in this business.
3: Yeah, I had been in the business for five years. Um, All of the experience that I had in the business um, on both the editorial and the managing editorial side, you know, I, I was... I was one of the last people to interview for this job. She was about to hire somebody else, this, the editor mm-hmm. that I worked for. Um, she was literally going to make the offer that day, and then I came in. And so I was—I was a very desirable candidate, apparently, for my experience um, in production and as an editor, um, and even as this like overqualified,
0: super desirable, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. overqualified yeah.
3: person. That was what they were able to offer. Um, yeah, that's wild. able like in scare quotes because it's disney right like the, <laughs> these jobs are a line item yeah, on their budget like they're you know employing they're making star wars movies um anyhow so and yeah and and i i mean i thought that money was like no object right i'm doing my dream job this is you right. know i'm i'm i came here for a reason and the like demotion the pay cut whatever I can handle all of that um and like it kind of turns out I couldn't at all actually it was like hugely demoralizing um and it like broke my spirit and my ego a little bit it doesn't help that my boss um there was uh um, gosh I think the most diplomatic way I can put this is if you read Emily Gould's book Friendship there's a character in that book who has she's an editorial assistant for like a psycho tyrant boss and i have confirmed with the author that that boss is act based on the person that i was working for so
2: <laughs>
0: that's the it's thing only... with like screwing over people in publishing right is you all they all end up in people's <laughs> books and stuff so.
3: right <laughs> i mean she and i have a really good relationship yeah. now. she's just not good to work for right um and it really like it's a really like amazing moment in publishing when you're reading a book for fun and you like see something that yeah. feels familiar and then you like hop on twitter to direct message the author who you know from like <laughs> housing works like, it really the takes like mingle. it like,
0: really takes like workplace pettiness to a whole yeah. new level yeah because you it's, can just blend in like social media and like public art <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's great it it's everything i've ever dreamed that, of
3: yeah, that was, that was a day in my life. Um, and, um, just talking on direct. Message. Anyway, so I then followed that boss, um, to grand central publishing because she was going to be able to make me an associate editor. I did not get a pay raise. I only got a promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still in the, like. it's amazing to
0: me that those things zone. are so detached sometimes yeah it's like we can just they're just making up titles they're making up numbers and they're never meant to align with one another and yeah so I think some of that gets at you know what you what kind of is in this article and what's in this new law which is the idea that um, employers previously to now theoretically are you know they they're asking for salaries because they want to use the fact that you got screwed in the past as a precedent for screwing you in the present
2: Yes. And that's exactly. I, I feel
0: like as someone who worked a bunch of different publishing jobs, you probably felt that at least in some regard yes. because um, anytime there's a precedent of pay, then they can just say, "Well, it's a little more than the last time or it's what you were getting before," and it just perpetuates yes. this horrible like cycle.
3: And and I I didn't realize so for a long time I was, you know, when you work in publishing, you're constantly interviewing, right? You're always like going out to lunch with editors and yeah. they're saying, well, can I ask what you're making right now? Yeah. And it took me for, including people like the, um, the then director, she hasn't been director for a long time. The then director of the feminist press asked me what I, my yeah. salary was, yeah. you know, like these are not, um, it's so entrenched because know that these companies aren't making a ton of money, so they need to figure out ways to exploit people however they can.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, which is sad that that's like the business, but um, but yeah. So I was always getting that question, and it took me years and years to figure out that I didn't have to answer it, and to mm-hmm. figure out how not to answer it. There are ways not to answer that question, but I just didn't even know that you know, if somebody asks you a question, you answer it.
2: Right.
1: So um, so how do you not answer that question?
3: I mean, now in New York, you can just say, you're not allowed to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you're illegal, finger guns. Oh, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, always um, with the finger
0: guns. That's the critical yeah, part.
3: Yeah, that makes everything more chill. Um, no, so I, I usually say, you know, I would rather talk about what my responsibilities are going to be in this new position. Um, it sounds like I'll be taking on x y and z new thing or it sounds like yeah. the um, they're not really trajectory analogous. isn't exactly clear and so i would rather um talk about what i'm worth to you
1: yeah that's Ooh, great that's that great. is a Which, good answer
3: yeah and and i found that um that's worked like i don't at no point has been, i think everybody kind of knows when they ask that question especially to like a young woman i and i don't know eric if you ever experienced this in a different way as a dude mm. Um, but like, I think everybody kind of knows that they're doing something a little like sneaky almost, or yeah. like, yeah, that they're trying to like catch you. Um, you know, I, so when you push back a little bit, people are
1: like, okay, fair, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
3: that's, that's the fun. thing,
0: right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's good.
1: So I have, I have a question cause I've, I've never yeah. worked at a, a house that was big enough to really have a lot of different pay discrimination Um, Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
1: just, just because they were tiny and they couldn't pay anybody anything. Right. (laughs) Equal Um, opportunity. Equal opportunity (laughs) sadness. Um, So did you ever in, in your life, you know, find, you know, a colleague who's got the same job title has been there about the same amount of time, whatever. And then you found out that they were making vastly different amounts of money than you.
3: Yeah, I I didn't, but I was very as much as I feel strongly about this issue, like it's not something I ever really wanted to talk about with my colleagues because they were usually my friends and I didn't want I just didn't, yeah. I didn't want my work life to turn into an episode of like Real Housewives of New York publishing, you know? <laughs>
2: um
3: it just like <laughs> seemed like a bad uh um, all right, there's like a helicopter going over me right now. And I don't know if you can hear it or not. That's um, our sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. It just, <laughs> right. Um, they're, yeah. Funny. It's trailing like a, a word club. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah. No. So it was something that I talked about with people as like a, we all kind of know that we're not getting paid what we're worth. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the people that I worked with at these big publishing companies were like me had help from their parents were living in apartments that their parents owned. Um, you know, we talked about that kind of stuff, but I don't think at any point we sort of sat down and compared numbers.
1: And people are still really surprised that publishing is so white and so middle-class and publishing books that are so white and so middle-class.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly. So, so the reason that this matters, it's not just because like I want to eat, more than ramen noodles um or because like I want to live in a nice apartment and not have roommates who have decided that all of my clothing has a smell on it that they're allergic to um which is a true <laughs> thing that happened to me one time oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah really I think I'm allergic to all of your clothes can I wash them no um yeah so it's it's important because publishing is a gatekeeper industry and and the people who are in this industry are making decisions about what's getting published to the mass media and especially when you're at a huge company like hyperion like grand central um, those decisions matter and if the only people who can afford to work in this industry and i think this probably goes for a lot of creative industries and it definitely goes for like capitol hill and politics
2: yeah
3: um if the only people who can afford these unpaid internships or these ridiculous salaries are people like me like that's a huge problem
0: it is, a, a yeah. No, I mean it is no. because, like, it sort of self selects away from anyone who might have a. It's just such a cycle that perpetuates itself, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. when
3: yeah, and and when you do have people asking about previous pay, or when you do have. I mean, I remember going into a like a a performance review meeting with a. I had like a series of younger bosses for a while for complicated and boring reasons um I remember going into a a meeting with one of them and she was like here's what we're able to give you this year she's like I'm really sorry it's like exactly the same as what I was making when I was an editorial assistant 10 years ago
0: yeah (laughs)
3: and and You know, apartment
0: prices in New York don't stay the same. No, they do not. Well, that's the thing. um, See, that's the part that I find so cruel about the whole thing is like they can't even grant the very basic cost of living adjustment. You know what I mean? Like they just – it's just completely detached from anything. It has no – like it's numbers that they're just making up or are using this precedent and that's why I think this law is is a great thing. Is they're using this precedent to sort of attach to that logic as opposed to the actual logic of the city or the world. And right. it just I makes.
3: Like also, you know, I, I think also opposed to business logic. I just don't. How can you possibly retain talented people if you're not willing to compensate them?
2: Well, you and, don't
1: is the answer. Right? Like there's that's the <laughs> exactly. problem with publishing because it's the big magical job, right? There's always more people right. who want to work in publishing than exactly. do work yeah. in publishing. So, I mean, you're on this. You know, we've got two out of three people here who were in yeah. New York and then left to do, do something else. And one out of three people who couldn't afford to go to New York in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, and, you, you know, and we're working in publishing by, you know, the, the grace of God in, in a lot of ways. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, I think there are a couple of sad truths here. I think one of the sad truths is that like, I I am not convinced that you actually need to be like, especially talented at editing to be an, editor in publishing (laughs) I think Um, you definitely don't don't. really need to be yeah so like it's not like it's not like in startup worlds where like you really have to be skilled at coding I presume um, to to be able to work as an engineer at Google so they really need to pay people money like the editorial positions and I I hate that this is true like and sometimes you kind of just need to be like a friendly, cheerful body who can read.
0: Exactly. But maybe not no, even
3: that. Like I had some bosses who I didn't even think were reading. Um, <laughs> I
0: definitely had bosses that didn't read. <laughs> um, so I guess the question that I have, you know, with all this stuff, like you're saying, you know, it's not like being a brilliant coder or something differentiates <laughs> you or yeah. having some special talent or being particularly skilled can get you, you know, further. Um it's i you my know. question is always like what what's being rewarded here because oftentimes yeah. it feels like the only thing that's being rewarded is like pre-existing wealth at your disposal yes. almost you yes. know it's like that's yes. the thing okay. that allows yes. you to advance as opposed to any <laughs> yes. skill as opposed to any instinct um because like you're saying like ed- editor jobs aren't particularly um you know there I mean there's obviously some skill to it like everybody relax edi- doing editing is is hard and good but like being and it's an edi- a lesson
1: <laughs> you need to learn but, but yeah. that's being it. like
0: yeah. Being but, an editorial but, assistant isn't a, like there's a lot of grunt work there, and it's not like you have to be particularly awesome or skilled to do that, you know? And yeah. I
3: mean, there are a set of skills that you need to do that, but they're not necessarily, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a skill set that necessarily translates to being a good editor, right? A, or to exactly. being good at anything else. B. So, here, I'll, I'll tell you a tale of two editors, mm-hmm, Right. Please. Um, I, for a time, God, I like. I, I just want to say for the record that I really love both of these people <laughs> um, but I really liked working for one and really didn't like working for the other so for a time I was assisting two people at the same time um, and one of them was um just like the author the perfect author's editor the thing that we all go into this industry hoping that we will be she right. was a phenomenal reader a phenomenal editor and she really took an, an enormous amount of time and care with all of the manuscripts that she worked on she she truly made them better she was incredible at communicating with her with her team her authors everybody and her books just did not sell did not sell and um, the other woman that I worked for um, is the one who I'm, I'm pretty sure just didn't read anything ever like Maybe she didn't know how, and uh, and and I mean, and I think that's a little bit of an old school thing. There's like a generational yeah. situation with the editors who don't read. But she, you know, she summered in the Hamptons and she knew a lot of celebrities and she knew a lot of celebrity agents, and so she was able to get these really um, big names to work with her and her alone, and she was a master bullshit artist and Mm
0: -hmm. her authors
3: loved her, but she didn't do anything. (laughs) Right. And she was consistently like, she would have like three books at the top of the bestseller list at the same time. (laughs) So,
2: um,
3: I, I think that you're exactly right. That the thing that gets rewarded is honestly, I think it's money. I think it's, it's not always that. I think you can be a really skilled worker, can go far, but most of the people who are good at that, like, have figured out that they'll make more money on their own
2: freelance.
0: Well, that's the thing, right, is, like, with yeah. some of this stuff, like, the skills that get rewarded, you know, and there, and I, I should clarify what I said earlier. Like, you do need a remarkable set of labor skills to succeed at an editorial assistant position. It just so happens that all those skills are equally applicable doing other things that are far more yes. lucrative, like being a really hard worker and being on top of a million things at once and being able to handle all this stuff, like yes. all these things that EAs do. And it's like you're saying, eventually these people realize, well, I could do, do these same things and get paid a lot better for it somewhere else. And it kind of yeah. gets at that idea of talent retention, right? And that's why I think turnover is so high in publishing. It's because like, what is the incentive for me staying at this shop? You've already told me that my pay is not going to improve. You're telling me that titles there in their view are fairly arbitrary. Um, it's like,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: And you're never going to get, so publishing is at like sort of a weird time right now because, um, so the, the market crashed in 2007, right? Like Mm. we have to go way back in history here to see kind of what's happening. I think, in my opinion, um, I am not an economist warning light, warning light. (laughs) Um, but you know, the, 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 bottom fell out of the housing market in 2007, all of these sort of people who were maybe nearing retirement age watched their 401ks and their retirement accounts um, just like take a nosedive. Um, so you have these people who are in, who are supposed to be aging out of the industry who are now not retiring and they will no die. No one leaves in the parents.
0: jobs. No one leaves the jobs.
3: Um, except, except for the know, people are, in the
1: lower yeah. parts. Yes.
3: And there are some imprints, you know, that was a, a, Knopf, what had a reputation for being the place where people like die at their typewriters <laughs> and they literally still use typewriters. But that's the case sort of more throughout the industry, I think in the wake of, um, They're recession because people just don't have yeah. retirement, the ability to retire the way that they could have. Um, and so, yeah, nobody's leaving their jobs, which squeezes the middle, which then squeezes the bottom. So mm-hmm. I, I think publishing is going to be and I don't know what's gonna happen when all these people start dying well it also um, but, but like really nothing because you don't need to be that good at like publishing yeah. in order yeah. to move up as an editor you just need tenacity at
1: this point yeah. Yeah. I mean it um, also like really help. hits at the fact that you know like if you're not getting paid anything and there's a million people that want to get in this business and you're not it really kind of is a self you know, you know, like a self-renewing cycle because it's the idea is that I love this so I can do it for no money.
3: Right. Which like is, is a thing that people tell themselves when they're in their twenties and, and especially I think when their parents, um, have the ability to help them with things. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I like have never heard like, I have a cousin whose dad doesn't work, and I have never once heard him say, like, I'm going to do what I love. I don't exactly. need any money, like, ever.
2: Well, so
0: <laughs> like, lo- like, like yeah. that kid
3: works his ass
0: off. To, to Laura, <laughs> what you were just saying, like, this I, this idea of publishing being, like, you know, a dream job or, like, a passion project or all this stuff, that definitely gets, like, leveraged against people. It does. In uh-huh. a really way. I remember, like, being in, um, when I first got my editorial assistant job, they, I was in HR. We were kind of signing paperwork and stuff. And they told me they were like they said that I remember the sentence verbatim. and I always will. They said, "When you're th- when things are really really hard and you're not being paid anything, just remember that you love this." Oh, uh. <laughs> and I. <laughs>
2: That's so abusive. It, oh, it's very. I mean, it's up. very
0: abusive. It's um, but like, and it's crazy because I, you know, it's like you're saying at that age, you're you're just so thrilled to have gotten this job yeah. you've been working for years to get right, and. So you're like, oh sure, whatever. But then like, you know, a few months pass and you realize that you're being treated kind of unfairly. You're being asked mm-hmm. to do a ton of extra you know, you're you're working overtime for no overtime pay. You're doing all yeah. this stuff um, that doesn't make any sense under any kind of labor standard. And it's like you you stop loving it really fast. And if
3: you're at, at our old job, your boss is smoking in the office <laughs> around you, putting your actual life in it. Oh my yeah.
0: god, that was so good. <laughs> So, well, why don't you give me, like, what's your, what's your favorite Overlook story of all time? Oh,
3: my God. Um, I, oh, wow. I, definitely the time that Peter lost a tooth. <laughs> um, <laughs> what?
0: Okay, 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 okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so let's, let's do start, this. Start uh, from
1: the beginning.
3: Okay, Laura, wait, Laura, let me, I just, I want to, based on what I said just then, how old would you guess Peter is?
1: <laughs> like, um, who is Peter? A young child.
3: Right, that's mm-hmm. what you would think. No, Peter was our 80-year-old publisher <laughs> slash boss. Who
1: should be retired but isn't. <laughs> right. Oh, he'll
0: never um, He's going to be working in
3: 2050. He, yeah. Um, he, he and I had a meeting. Um, our editorial meeting was just me and Peter. When you were
0: the entire the, department, yeah.
3: Yes, I, I was. Um, and... Yeah, so we're having this meeting to talk about the submissions that had come in. And all of a sudden, Peter sort of reaches up to his mouth while I'm talking. And I'm like, huh, I hope he's okay. I'd been working there for maybe three weeks at this point. Like, <laughs> I did not know him well yeah. um, But he looks a little distracted. So I kind of wrapped up what I was saying. and As I'm finishing my, my spiel, uh, he reaches up to his mouth and he says, I believe I've lost a tooth.
1: And sure enough,
3: he pulls a tooth out of his mouth and says, yes, there it is. (laughs) Was it like a
1: molar? Like what tooth was it?
3: I think it was a molar. Yeah. I think it was like way back there. And He's like, I thought I felt something while you were speaking. And in fact, it was a tooth. And then he shouts for his assistant because he was always doing that. Oh, he shouts her name really loudly and calls her in and he tries to hand her the tooth. Ah. <laughs> I think that was the first time I was ever like,
1: no, Peter, you can't do that. Oh, my
2: God. See,
1: when you're old enough to be in a meeting and losing teeth like you're in yeah. goddamn yeah. elementary school, it's time for you to retire yeah. and like give part of your gigantic salary to some youngins. <sighs> so I have one more question for you before, yeah. we, before we let you go. If you could change one thing in publishing. And I know we've just <laughs> spent half an hour
0: ripping on boss to have good dental care would that
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how much our dental insurance
3: would have been if we had had Oh my god. Yeah, yeah no if our ba- if job. our
0: job had given us insurance at all. Yeah, that'd be great.
3: Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> um I oh gosh. So, I have this vision of like a publishing industry that has reimagined what the roles are and has created job titles and job functions that aren't like keyed to the way we've always done it and are instead Mm. keyed to actual business needs um and that are thus paid appropriately and aren't locked into uh, what we've been talking about really this sort of salary banding that stretches back to like the 1910s right.
2: um
3: so you're saying you should earlier. treat
1: publishing like a business is
3: what i'm <laughs> yeah, hearing yeah right with like yeah. we like look at data and think about
0: and try to and improve think about yeah.
3: numbers yeah. and and try to make improvements and make more money and and all while respecting the artists and the creators and the talent and by talent i include the stuff but yeah right yeah run it more like a business think about the logic and the business reasons behind the decisions that are being
0: made well that's great allison um and thanks (laughs) thanks so much (laughs) for coming on yeah you got it right
1: nice to talk to you laura thank you allison okay to talk (laughs) to you
0: eric Yeah. that was good huh
1: that was a lot of fun she's charming yeah um, i can't believe she's friends with you no i'm just kidding
0: okay (laughs) (laughs) um well laura Um, why don't, why don't we do a pub tip, huh? And we'll wrap up.
1: Let's. All right.
0: So I think just like kind of per what we were just talking about with Allison and all this stuff, uh, maybe the pub tip today is just to remember that like when you're querying or when you're writing or when you're doing anything and you kind of hit that moment of self-doubt or defeat or like, you know, kind of uncertainty, maybe just remember that everyone on the other side of that divide is like also like experiencing their own like insecurities and,
2: um, quarter you know, life feel Yeah, exactly. And, like
0: Or like feelings of inadequacy or like all the things that I feel like writers often talk about feeling when they're querying or like getting rejected and all this stuff. It's like that's like you're not the only ones feeling that I think a lot of the time and that should be really freeing, right? Like and I think there's this sense that really that all of us are kind of in this together. All of us are trying to accomplish our making bit. Making
1: good books and making exactly. a living.
0: In the publishing like constellation, you know, we may all have different roles but really – we're all kind of on the same side, and a lot of what binds us is this insecurity. And so, like, it's not a unique thing. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means you're a person trying to make a book dream happen, you know, and that's – it's totally par for the course, and it's not a reason to get disheartened or down or – Or, or um,
1: be nervous about the yeah. people that you're trying to make connections with Yeah, sure. <laughs> like
0: We're messes too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's go with that.
1: Yeah. I think I think that's lovely. And it's a good thing to remember. We're all human. Mm-hmm. We're all human.
0: We're going to send kumbaya here in a little bit. So
1: on that note, uh, remember that our query show has already dropped. Our first page of show drops April 27th. That is next Thursday. Send us your submissions at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next week.